This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer-reviewed by real humans. Learn more at Upcase.com. Yo. Hey, what's up? What's happening? Long time no show. It's been a while. When was the last time you recorded? Weeks ago. Yeah. Three weeks ago? Four weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, I forgot that's what you look like. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Build Face. My wife is, um, one of her friends gave her a 2DS, Nintendo 2DS, for Christmas. And so she's been playing like Mario Kart and um, this quiz game, this like logic puzzle game. Professor Late? I have no idea. Okay. (laughs) I honestly have no clue. It's got weird music and like some little kid... I don't know. Some of the puzzles are really good and other ones are really bad. Like one of them was like there was this matchsticks. I don't remember how many matchsticks there were, but it was like it looked like a dog, right? So it was like a square and then it had a tail and then it had four legs and a triangle for a face, right? And it was like <laughs> this weird puzzle. It was like here's what a dog this dog looks like standing up. Unfortunately, this dog got hit by a car. So what would this dog move two matchsticks so that it looks like this dog got hit by a car and the right which is weird this is a kid's game it's like okay but so the way you were supposed to do the puzzle like we got fairly quickly you know what i mean it's like looking at it's like okay well you need to change perspective like one I, i had no idea it's like i don't know what you're looking for here i'm not entirely sure and and it was like the whole thing was like change the perspective of the dog. So it looks like, so it looks like you got hit by a car as in like it's on the ground now. So it's laying down. Right. So instead of it being four legs at the bottom, you take two of the legs and you move them to the top. So that now it looks like it's a top down approach with the legs splayed out, except that it was like really specific about exactly where the matchsticks needed to be. Like they couldn't be because you could move them and you could also rotate them. They didn't snap into place. So we kept trying over and over and over again. I was like, I know this is the answer. And it was just really hard to get it to line up exactly how it wanted. Anyway, that's grim. It really is. And it was also kind of a, it was really annoying. I thought it was an annoying puzzle. Anyway, so she's been playing all that stuff and she was looking for something else to play. And, I kind of talked her into trying uh, Ocarina of Time. So she's sitting at home oh, right now with an upper respiratory infection. <laughs> yeah. She's like – she got – she's got the uh, – the, she got the sword. She got the shield. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in the tree and she's fighting bad guys. She beat one of those um, Deku nut dudes. Right. Yeah. In the forest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is Ocarina one of the ones where you get a normal sword first and then you find the master sword yeah. or you just yeah, sword? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's actually even a wooden sword is the first thing you get. You yeah. get a wooden sword and wooden sh- wooden shield. And then you go and you don't get the master sword until you until you start the time travel stuff. Right. So you Wait have to get hold on. Time travel? Ocarina? Ocarina of time? That's the one where you can go back and forth between adult link and child link. Oh, yeah. Okay, I was confusing that with Majora's Mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
that one, I think you have the you get you get in Majora's Mask. I think you have the Master Sword the whole time because that comes right after Ocarina, chronologically mm-hmm. speaking. I thought that, but it's still pretty early on, right? Like you're going through like the, the forest, and there's always like you can go straight, left, or right, and you have to like find the right way through so you don't keep going in, in circles. In Ocarina, no, that's that's how you get the first sword which is like a wooden like the deku sword i think it is okay all right it's all coming back i haven't played this game in over 10 years i played it really recently because they had a disc on gamecube they had this disc that was it was awesome i loved this thing it was a promotional disc is what it was it was a promotional disc for wind waker before wind waker came out so i had a demo of wind waker on it but it also had the original Zelda from the NES, it had the second Zelda, that weird side-scrolly one, and Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on it. I was like, this is this is the best. So I just I sat down and I played through this is I guess this was a while ago. This is probably f- five years ago, maybe. But I played all the way through Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask again. Such good games, both of those. My Zelda jam is always uh, a link to the past. Mm-hmm. Super Nintendo. That's the one that I still know. Link's, Link's Awakening is the one that I played the first time. That was the Game Boy one. I, re- I really liked that one. Is that one, the one where your like, ship crashes and you wake up on the beach on yeah, an island? Exactly. Exactly. And there's the weird dream stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I only beat that one once. That's a long game. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so that's what's going on with me. <laughs> Still want to get a 3ds. There's people that have been playing uh, Smash Brothers in the office, mm-hmm. Mario Kart, and I feel like I'm missing out. Mm-hmm. All fun. I got a Wii U over the break. That's a f- I mean, just fantastic. I've been playing the hell out of Mario Kart 8 and Super Smash Brothers, and it's pretty good. Pretty pretty good. What else is new? What have you been up to? Uh, working on internal products. A Mac event. app, huh? Interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. Mac app. Oh, boy. So much subclassing. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Why is that? It's like to do anything, you have to subclass some app kit class and like override these six methods hmm. and like return the right thing to get it to do the thing that you want to do. It's There's a lot going on over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not sure how I'd be doing without Keith. Right. It really makes you love UI kit. Sure. Come back yeah, and yeah. Go, oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've messed around with it a few times, but I've never gotten that deep. Mm-hmm. Mainly because I get frustrated and I'm like, well, I don't really need this thing that bad. So I stop. Like, we were trying to reimplement the behavior of the traffic light buttons in the standard window toolbar on OS X. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just like tell a button like here's all here's images for all of your different states, and yeah. it's like no. Mm. So we're just like switching out images inside a button subclass. Like when the mouse comes in, when the mouse is down and out, it's mm-hmm. like almost like re-implementing like touch up inside, sure. like that sort of behavior. Yeah, yeah, it's craziness. All of it. Can you hear that siren? I can hear that siren, yeah. Man, that is loud. It's really quiet. This is the new off the new studio. Mm. It's not like all put together, but 
I'm in the new studio now and it's super quiet. And then all of a sudden it's like piercing. Siren. How's it looking there? Hmm? How's, how does it look in there? White. Really, oh. really white. Yeah, there's nothing on the walls yet. All the sound panels are over there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. You learn anything on this other than just that it's nice to be in? Well, the, the trade-off is that bindings are awesome. Right. Bindings are not awesome when you're trying to set them up and don't really know what you're doing because you get really cryptic error messages. Mm-hmm. Once you get them working, it's really incredible to like have all this behavior just go and right. have like no code driving in. Right. I kind of miss that. I want that. Yeah, that's always been something that I thought was like I get it. I think that some I think we've said this before, but I think a lot of people are even people that appreciate bindings. It's a lot like KVO, right? Where people are appreciative of it but also realize that it's kind of magic-y and it's <laughs> it's doing a lot of stuff under the covers and that makes it a little scary. Yeah. I want NS array controller. That's what it comes down to. What is that? It's an object that manages a list of objects that can be bound to a view. Hmm. Just wraps up any list of things and it can, you know, be bound to a table view, for instance. Hmm. I kind of think of it as like fetched results controller. Right, that's what I was just for ask. anything. Yeah. And not tied to core data. Is it something that can be implemented? Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just require me to actually care enough to do that. To do that. Yeah. Maybe someone else already did. Oh, maybe. So you uh, you open sourced some uh, operators, I saw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Runes. Mm-hmm. It's a good name, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> little self, uh, what's, the th- what's the word? Are you making fun of yourself? I can't think today. Self-deprecating? Yeah, a little self-deprecating. You know, because they're like, I was either going to do that or something to do with um, space invaders because, you know, they look like spaceships and mm-hmm. could have done a cool animated GIF logo where it's like a wall of apply coming down and then like bind shooting it. <laughs> would have been cool. Um, I don't know. So basically we've used, we use those operators in a number of places. Uh, basically the the idea is that one of the problems you can get into with defining operators is if you define the same operator as me, your definition will override mine. But then we'll also end up with, like, if both you and I implement the definitions for the map operator for optional, then it'll be ambiguous which one to use. And that's kind of a problem. So instead of that, it seems like it'd be better if we just had a central, a small focused library that we could pull into our libraries to depend on, but then also to pull into like a centralized dependency, you know what I mean? So that there's only ever one definition of what apply means for optional Mm -hmm. or bind F map, whatever. Wait, so does this, this library also includes the extensions to optional? Not publicly. Because there's a compile, like I've been doing all this in the 6.2 beta just because there's not a huge difference and it's a little more stable. And as of Xcode 6.2, you can't publicly expose new functions on generic types that are from a different module. Follow that? So it's only for generic types like optional or array for that matter. 
any generic type that exists in a different module. So all those optional in array, they exist in the Swift module, right? Not the runes module. So I can define my own internal extensions to those classes, to those types, but I can't export those publicly. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why. <laughs> no, I have absolutely no clue. I don't, and I especially don't know why it's limited to generics. Because you can do that with other types. Like if it's a not if it's not a generic type, I can like strings. You can implement extension public extensions to string from a different module. But you can't do it for generic types, and I'm not sure why that is. So they're defined there, but they're only used internally. What I wanted to do was that was I wanted to have publicly defined extensions for optional that included apply. And flat map, which is bind. It's the same, different word, same same thing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to publicly expose those and then just also expose an operator that lets you use them. You know what I mean? So you'd have the best of both worlds. If you don't want to use the operator, you still have a function that can do that. If you do want to use the operator, you can use the operator. You know what I mean? Got it. But I couldn't – if I ever can expose that publicly, I will just expose that publicly because that's – I'd rather have it available in both ways as an instance method and as an operator. What's the uh, reaction been so far? You did it yesterday, right? Uh, positive, quiet. I, I don't think it's a huge deal. I think it's a nice little focused library, but it's never going to turn into a huge thing. At least I don't think it should. It would be nice if it – turns into you know what what i would love is for this for it to become the de facto way to use these operators you know what i mean if you need these operators specifically these three operators then pull in runes and use that as a dependency versus defining them yourself Mm -hmm. and then if you have your own type like result for example which exists in LlamaKit, and then also Robrix has a version. Um, so if you had your own type that could use map and flat map and apply, then you could you could add it as a, you know as a dependency, and then define your own function implementations for your own type. So you're just adding on to what I have at that point. You know what I mean? So the operators themselves are never are never uh, redefined, which is nice because you know. You need you really want like precedence set a specific way on these things and associativity so that you can use them in a in a way that makes sense. And so you really don't want them to keep being you know, you don't want to have to wonder, oh, in this library, what's the associativity set for these? What's the precedence? You know what I mean? Did they screw with the precedence, which could give you a totally different result than what you're than what you're expecting. But yeah, it's been um you know, we're using it in Argo. Or we will be. Uh, there's a pull request to do that. I see that. I'm looking at it right now. Cool. So, yeah, just kind of screwing around with that stuff recently. Been rewriting the Argo readme all day. I'll probably try to get that in later today. Just been thinking a lot about... I don't even remember what when the last time we talked was, man. It's been so long since we did the show. I don't remember what I have and haven't talked about on this kind of stuff, but... Um, ever since, did we talk about functional Swift conference? I don't think we did. I feel like we had one show after functional Swift conference and then, but we didn't talk about it. We talked about something else. 
I think we talked about selfie sticks. Sure. For like an hour. (laughs) Sure. But at functional Swift conference, Andy Matushak had a really good talk and kind of what I took away from the talk was education and how we talk about these functional concepts to people that don't fully grok the functional concepts. Right. So like, I think you and I are basically the flip sides of the coin on this one to a certain extent. You know what I mean? I am very much pushing Swift and pushing the functional Swift stuff. And you're kind of the flip side of that, right? Like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're not as gung ho about, I don't think anyway, that you're as gung ho about Swift as I am. And you're definitely not pushing the functional stuff, right? Still trying to get, I don't think there's anything wrong with any of this, by the way. I don't mean to make it. No, no, no. No offense. No offense taken. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, That that is accurate. Yeah. So like one of the things Andy talked about was that there was a split happening. And I'll link this talk in the show notes because it's fantastic. And because he plugs Argo, but whatever. Um, One of the things he talked about was that he started to see this split happening. And on one side of the meter, you had people doing what he called machine translation of Swift, right? So I know Objective-C very well. And we wrote code, or I've written code like this. Tony has written code like this. I think anybody who's coming into directly into Swift writes code like this, where you say, like, I know how to write this thing in Objective-C, and so you kind of do this mental machine translation, and now you're writing it in Swift. But you're not really writing it in Swift. You're writing Objective-C with a Swift syntax. We talked about this. When Swift came out, like, I was saying how I was kind of down on it because I didn't feel like we were making any progress. And, like, we did a whole episode about this, right, about how, like, I didn't feel like we were getting any use out of Swift, it didn't feel new. It didn't feel different. It felt like the same gross problems that we were solving just with a different syntax. And that was bumming me out. Yeah, so it that's felt like, a, like yeah. a Swift port. Right. Exactly. 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 So, so you have that machine translation stuff, which kind of feels derogatory, but I understand the concept there, right? You have this machine translation side and then all the way on the other side, you have what he called Swift ML. Right, it's like an OCaml reference. So trying to make Swift into a something that it is not, right? Which is a purely functional language. Um, and he saw this rift happening. The funny thing was, I'm sitting in the audience, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, well, like I'm right there in the middle. Like I'm kind of, you know, I'm not trying to push for it to be purely functional, but I also don't want to write machine translation. I'm like right there in the center, feeling pretty good about myself. He hits. Um, he hits a button, advances the next slide, and there is a code snippet from Argo, which is our JSON parsing, our functional JSON parsing framework, which I feel very, very strongly about. And I've, I, I, you know, Tony wrote the entire initial implementation, but I've been working on it a lot recently, and I was really trying to help him figure out what the API was and all this stuff, right? So I, ha- I feel some sort of sense of ownership with Argo. And so all of a sudden I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm feeling okay. And then all of a sudden Argo is up on the screen. I'm like, Oh shit, I know that code. <laughs> it's just like this kind of realization that I'm very much, I'm much more to the Swift ML side than I thought I was. Right. So I've been trying a lot, a lot to pull that back. Not that I want to stop writing 
stuff like Argo because I do think that there's a benefit there. And I do think that the functional stuff and using operators, I don't think it's all bad. I think that the common refrain on this show, right, is that I'm a complete idiot. (laughs) So, like, I honestly think that, like, if I can learn these concepts and these operators, they're not out of reach. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I also understand that there's a lack of education around this stuff and there's a way of talking about it. That's very off putting. I'm very much guilty of this talking about talking about functional concepts and talking about like F map and apply and bind and currying and partial application, just monads and functors and throwing these words around and just being like, don't, don't worry about it. Like it's fine. Just, it's just in trying to simplify it and just trying to gloss over stuff and trying to rush through it to get to my point. And that sucks because what happens is that it leaves the people that truly don't understand those concepts and there's no reason to understand those concepts. You know what I mean? There's no reason to inherently understand these concepts. Like I barely understand them now. You know what I mean? I did not understand them when I was coming into it. It was just like big time brain explosion trying to learn this stuff. (laughs) Is that the title? (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You know um, it. <laughs> um, but like, you, you know, so the way, the way people talk about it, the way, and the dismissive attitude people have myself included here, by the way, when talking about this stuff, about how it's like, like we've had conversations, I've had conversations with you where I've said the words, like, don't worry about the operators, just gloss over them. Here's what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, here's the outcome of this line. Don't worry about exactly what's there. Just understand that this is the general concept of what's going on. And that's wrong, right? It's dismissive on my end to be like, I know what it's doing and I understand that you don't, but don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's the right way to to do it. I think that it's irresponsible to jump directly into FMAP and apply as operators and just throwing symbols on the screen and trying to explain what they do. Yeah. I don't, like, I'm saying I don't, think, I don't think that's the right approach. I think there is a right approach here. I don't think that that's it. And one of the things that Andy was saying is, is that like, you can talk about these things in a more approachable manner, which is to try to bridge the gap between FP and OO. Right? If you start to talk about some of these things in a more object-oriented manner, even if it's just not using free functions and attaching them to as class functions, you know what I mean? And you end up using a struct as basically a module. Like that's fine. That's much more approachable and it's much, it feels there's something about that that feels more familiar right. to someone trying to make the jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you're expecting to, you know, execute behavior on a thing instead of executing behavior with a thing. Right. That's the difference. Right. Exactly. Because in your mind, the behavior belongs to this thing Mm -hmm. instead of just existing in its own right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's something I've been conscious of, very, very conscious of recently. Thinking a lot about going back in, like I rewrote, I wrote this blog post on currying a while ago, specifically because... I realized that we had used the word currying and we had used the term partial application in literally every single functional blog post either Tony or I had written. Basically, all of our Swift content on the blog uses the words 
currying and partial application somewhere and then gives a really hand wavy explanation of what currying is again that kind of it's not intentionally dismissive but i feel like now looking back that it it comes across as being dismissive of like don't worry about it currying just you know concentrate on the big picture don't get bogged down in the details kind of stuff which is very i don't know so i wrote this currying blog post specifically because we had used the term but never explained it and i wanted to make sure that we weren't losing people with that. I wanted to take a step back and talk about this other fundamental thing in detail in a way that was not hand wavy and was not dismissive and actually tried to explain what was going on and how it was working in a way that everybody could understand and appreciate and hopefully let people see the value in the in Korean. I don't know where I was going with all this. <laughs> I have to be careful with this conversation, honestly. Um, so we, one of the things that's happened since last time we talked was that speakers were announced for NS North. I don't know if you saw that. So speakers were announced for NS North. So I'm speaking at NS North in Ottawa in April, which is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like I'm scared shitless about having to stand up in front of these people and talk, but, um, beer. Yeah. 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 That's my plan. Beer and beer or bourbon. Both. 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 Yeah. Why not? Maybe just bourbon in a beer, you know, bottle just sure. Um, I don't know, but this is getting close to what I think I want to talk about and I don't really want to ruin it on the show. All right. Well, then we can just cut it off. Not six months before, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so what you said about me not being crazy about Swift is not wrong. That's fairly accurate. I have a really strong feeling that whatever happens to Swift in June, I'll be ready to take it on full time. Yeah. Um, I have found, and I think this is a good thing, in that in writing Objective-C, I have occasionally wanted to use Swift for a class for specific things that have nothing to do with functional programming, but just really nice things that Swift does, like associating values with enum cases. Mm -hmm. That is something that I keep wanting over and over yeah. and over. Yeah. So that's a good sign that like fact, I, I, I'm yeah. missing those things because I know that they're there. Yeah. The, the, fact that, the fact that Swift enums have a failable initializer that takes the raw value so, like, if you have an enum of the type string, and then you have, like, like roles, right? Like, user roles. So, I have user roles, I have an admin role, and I have a user role. Well, I can just get an optional role back if I have a role enum. If I have those strings set as the values for those enum types, I can just initialize an enum with that string, and I'll get a role back. Or none, but... You know what I'm saying? Like that you don't have to ever do that like you're like you're talking about. Like you don't ever to ever have to write that mapping method that takes a string and returns a type. I see. You can just like you don't even have to write any code for this. There is a built-in thing that takes a string or an int or whatever your raw type is. Mm -hmm. It takes that and returns an optional an optional enum case. I got it. I can see missing that. Yeah. My specific case is that, so I have a 
a view controller that can needs to get your location and go update some data, and then it can either succeed and show the last updated date, or it can fail. So there's like states that, mm-hmm. and I want you know those four states to be laid out in an enum, mm-hmm. and I want the well, I want the error case to be able to have a string attached to it, and I want the updated case to be able to have a date attached to it, you know, and a state date, and then everything else would just sort of be like hard-coded strings, and like that's really what I want. And yeah. to replicate that in Objective-C is insane and ugly. Like there's, yeah. there's no way to replicate that yeah. in Objective-C. There's no way even to attach that kind of logic. No, it's like at this point now I have to create a class... To just, wrap yeah. what should really just be an enum. Right. Terrible. So that's all. I'm coming around, missing bits of it. Like along the same lines of everything else that I've been saying, like I do – part of me wonders if I'm bad at controlling enthusiasm in general. You know what I mean? Like I think this shows a good example – like not this episode. I'm just talking about like the show as a whole is a good example of how like – I get excited and or angry about something and I'll just I'll just talk about that forever. That's what makes this show successful. Yeah. But it, I get concerned sometimes that and not just not just like internally at Thoughtbot but externally too, I get concerned that or since since function the functional swift conference. I've been concerned that my gung-ho attitude for the functional programming stuff tints people's views on Swift that are just trying to get into Swift. You know what I mean? Like what you said was you said I miss parts of Swift and like not the functional programming stuff, but just the base, you know, the standard library kind of stuff, like the language and all this stuff. Yeah. It's like that kind of sucks that me and Tony specifically have been we've been so bullish about the uh, functional programming side of things that like this good stuff in Swift gets lost because there's no reason that you have to do the wacky operator functional crap. But but it's a slippery slope. I feel like you start to get interested in Swift and then you hit some limitation that you find annoying in the new language and you just want to keep going further and further there's no middle ground like you either end up in like the machine translated swift like you're talking about or you know the swift ml case like it's hard to just sit in the middle and be like well i just write normal swift i'm using (laughs) new language features it's really nice yeah i don't know it's hard it's hard for me to mentally back up to a place where that would be possible like a, a, a big thing for me right now is if let's like using if let in Swift code feels very much like a smell to me. Like I just don't write them anymore. I use map. Like I don't want to get into this stuff, but like I use functional programming concepts to avoid having to write iflets. And subjectively, I think my code feels cleaner because of it. You know what I mean? Like I see an iflet, I'm like, there's something that can be abstracted out or worked around. You know what I mean? And so it's hard, it's hard for me to back up to a point where I'm like, okay, with iflets, I'm too far gone at this point. You know? um, I think it's probably possible to live in that world and be okay with it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that 
for other people. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's like you're saying, like it's a slippery slope and it's hard to compartmentalize this stuff. I wonder if this is a problem that other languages have that are in the same vein, like, like rust, you know what I mean? That are like, they're OO languages, but they have FP stuff built into them and they have, you know what I mean? Like once you start introducing the two things that make most of this possible are definable operators, the three things, definable operators, generics, and these super enum things, right? That's what, you know, makes this stuff, all this wacky functional stuff possible is those three things, mainly generics more than anything. Because once you can do generics, you can do just some weird, weird stuff, really kind of wacky stuff. Most of this, a lot of this stuff comes out of generics. But then the super enums, being able to associate types like optional, for example, or result. You know what I mean? Those are really, really powerful and they let you do some crazy things. So I, I do wonder if like Rust has this same struggle where you want to write, like, I would love to write as functionally as possible, but at the same time, I don't want to alienate people that are coming onto the project or just perusing my code. You know what I mean? I'd be willing to wager that usually a, a new language like this, one that's as young as Swift, mm -hmm. doesn't normally have such a huge built-in audience with preconceptions about how software is supposed to be written. That's probably, so I think it's unique. I, that's a good point. I mean, how many registered Apple developers are there? I don't know. I don't know. I can you try to find out real quick. Yeah. I don't, even, I don't even know if the direct number matters, but it's a, it's a staggeringly large number. And when was the last time a programming language was dumped on an, that size of an audience at once? Without growing organically, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I guess I guess they probably had the same kind of thing in Microsoft languages, right? When they switched to .NET, it could be probably comparable. Wait, did the language change? Yeah, didn't they change to C sharp or some or F sharp or something? I don't know. I don't know what you write Windows apps in. I assume you write it in like sorrow and regret. <laughs> C-sharp sounds right okay. to me. Uh, by the way, there are 9 million <laughs> Apple developers. <laughs> That's that insane. was announced at WWDC last year, and that was a 47% increase from the year before that. Wild. 9 million. That's a lot. I, we, could, we could continue talking about Iflets possibly being a smell and Swift possibly being, you know, the youngest, most popular language ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're running long and we should save that for next week. All right. So let's call it. Okay. Show notes for this episode are going to be found at buildphase.fm slash 68. And as always, we'd like to hear from you. So email us at buildphase at .com or reach out on Twitter at buildphase. And as always, we appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. All right. Cool. See you later. Later.